G'day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. This is study number 11, about Luke chapter 8, right the way through verses 1 to 56. The subject continues as faith and faithfulness in files 11a and 11b. We start by reading in chapter 8 the first 15 verses. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cursa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that... Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. First, just a note. It is thought that the Joanna of verse 3 may well be the same person as the junior mentioned in Romans chapter 16 verse 7, using different versions of her name. Some translations of that verse in Romans have junias, a man's name, but that is a mistranslation. If so, we may presume Joanna, or Junior, was an apostle, 
because she fulfilled the requirements of Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Those who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Even though being a woman meant she could not be one of the twelve. Luke is careful not to forget the women. Neither should we. We noted in the last study that one word in the Greek means both faith and faithfulness. Faith is what we think. Faithfulness is how we act as a result of our faith. Question one then. The central passage of these chapters, the centre of the reflection, is this parable of the sower, with a detailed explanation of how to understand it following. Which meaning, faith or faithfulness, is it encouraging us to think of most? Since this parable is about growing the seed of faith, it is what we call, in English at least, faithfulness. The parables of Jesus are usually designed to be about one most important point, but at the same time most of them teach several other theological ideas. Which parts of this parable imply the following things? The kingdom comes, A, slowly. It is not a noisy event, breaking into the world with a great noise. B. It comes as a work of grace. C. It necessarily includes fruit-bearing. And D. It always includes a promise of hope. A farmer sowing his seed would walk steadily, swinging his arm with a distinct rhythm, so that is definitely not a noisy occupation. The farmer is giving, giving the seed to the soils, and giving is what we mean by grace. The seed has to grow, which is fruit-bearing. It is sown in hope of a harvest, and the harvest suggested, a hundredfold, is far beyond natural expectations of the yield of corn. I have often counted the grain in the ears of modern wheat, which is probably far superior in yield to anything of those days, and have never found an ear anything like that size. Whether maize could ever be that size, I do not know, but I think Jesus was challenging them to think far beyond the ordinary. Question 3. This parable is usually called the parable of the sower. What else could it be called? What was Jesus really emphasising? And therefore, what should the title be? It is about how we react to the word and to Jesus. So we might think the parable of the soils would be a much better title. Question four. In the society and culture in which you live... What are the meanings of what happened to the seed? It was taken by the devil, had no root, was choked by life, and produced a great crop. The answers will, of course, depend on where you live. The devil may well be in friends or family who immediately try to stop someone who says they've decided to follow Jesus from actually doing anything about it, 
or try to force them to return to their old ways. No root is the sort of person who decides one thing today and the opposite thing tomorrow. Choked by life is simply having too many things to do to actually follow through on any decision. Producing a crop is the person who goes on to be a good Christian, a person of both faith and faithfulness. By reading verses 16 to 18 of this chapter 8. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Question 5. Why are the secrets of the kingdom of God so hard to understand? What did Jesus mean by talking about hearing as though that is difficult? Did he really teach in parables so that people would not understand what he said? What did he mean by saying we have to be careful how we listen? It is hard to understand this, but we cannot just march boldly into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit has to work on us as well as us saying we will follow Jesus. It is a fact of experience that people can hear the gospel preached for a long time and not understand it until one day it suddenly becomes alive to them as the Holy Spirit starts to work in their hearts. This is what Jesus is referring to. He taught in parables to make people think hard before they committed themselves to following him. Too many people in many parts of the world are happy just to follow the faith of their parents without thinking about what they are doing. Jesus does not want those sorts of people. The next two short stories highlight contrasting attitudes of acceptance and rejection to Jesus as did the story of Simon the Pharisee and the unnamed woman that we looked at in the last study. Notice how faith and faithfulness are weak in those who should have been strong, his family and the disciples, and it was rejected by those who had a great opportunity to have it, the people of Gerasar. So we read the verses 19 to 39. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, but they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, 
the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They sailed to the region of Gerasa, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus has commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerizines asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Question 6. Over the centuries, many believers must have prayed frantically when faced with death by drowning. Many will still have drowned. The disciples did not drown. Why? Because they were with Jesus is only part of an answer. Many who believed in Jesus have drowned. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5, which reads like this. Some present at that time told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, 
Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. In those verses, Jesus clearly tells us that accidents happen to everybody with no reason that we can understand. The people of Gerasa thought about what it would mean for them in money terms if Jesus was in their area and decided they would be better off without him. Unfortunately, that is the way the world works. Question 7. What was Jesus' response? What does that say to us? Jesus just got into the boat and left. He did not force himself on them, neither will he force himself on us or anyone. And now we read the last two episodes in this passage, the stories of the bringing back to life of a man's dead daughter and the healing of a sick woman. We noted in our last study how this reflects the bringing back to life of a woman's son and the healing of a man in the first two episodes in this long section. We read verses 40 to 56 of this chapter 8. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there, who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her up by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Question 8. What do these two healings tell us about faith? 
How strong does faith have to be in order to be answered? How far is it true to say it is always answered? Or when is it not answered? Faith is never strong enough to demand an answer. All the answers we get come only because of the grace and goodness of the Lord towards us. It is not always answered. We do not know why. It is probably better that we do not know why. And that ends our study in this chapter 8. Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.